Welcome back to Pause with Q. In recent years, especially in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, the term healing has become increasingly popular. In fact, it has been used in traditional medicine, religious rituals, psychotherapy, and applied social studies for a very long time. Nowadays, we can easily access a range of healing programs off and online thanks to Google. But do we really understand what healing means? According to the Oxford Dictionary, healing is the process of becoming or making somebody or something healthy again, such as the process of getting better after an emotional shock, trauma, or difficult experiences that someone has experienced since childhood. The definition of healing is given as follows in a study published in Global Advances in Health and Medicine. The word healing comes from the old English term halen, meaning honest, and it can be defined as a holistic, transformative process of repair and recovery in mind, body, and spirit, resulting in positive change, finding meaning, and movement towards self-realizations of wholeness, regardless of the presence or absence of disease. This result differentiates healing from cure. When someone is cured, their illness is gone, but they might or might not find meaning or realize the wholeness or unity of mind, body, and spirit. But when someone is healed, regardless of the presence or absence of disease, they experience an inner knowing, inner peace, and a sense of meaning and purpose in life. They don't see themselves as victims or blame fate anymore. This self-realization results in a reinterpretation and understanding of the events or circumstance, which gives the circumstance meaning and transcends it. Some people find meaning in their actual disease, others find it through devoting and helping others. In his book, Men's Search for Meaning, Victor Franco grows so eloquently. Suffering ceases to be suffering in some way. In the moment, it finds a meaning. Many of us have experienced physical pain, even psychological trauma, at some point in our lives. These experiences can range from life-threatening illnesses and injury to traumatic events like natural disasters, war, sexual assault, divorce, domestic abuse, abandonment, betrayal, or rejection. These experiences can have a significant effect on our mental and physical well-being. However, trauma is subjective, and people react to it in different ways. While some people would find such circumstances upsetting, Others might find them to be extremely painful and overwhelming. It's outside of their normal realm of human experience. And depending on our personality and prior experiences, 
what might be painful or stressful for you might not be painful or stressful for me. However, no one can compare one person's sorrow to another's because it is something that cannot be compared. Let's consider this hypothesis for a moment. What if all of those often events that leads to negative feelings are only mental illusions that we are absolutely capable of changing? What if we could reframe the way we see what happened and the narratives we tell ourselves so that we could come to understand that why pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. And here is the good news. It's no longer just a hypothesis. Neuroscientists have known for a very long time that trauma is not the real event that happens. Because what happens, it's just the beginning. Trauma is an overwhelming emotion response to the event and the inability to cope. These emotions change the structure of our brains. The brain then rewinds itself after these experiences and creates mental illusions that affect how we perceive and respond to subsequent situations in life. But if our brains can fabricate unfavorable illusions, they may easily change and modify our perception of what actually happened as well. For example, when something happens that brings back painful memories from the past, like an accident or abuse, the amygdala, an ancient part of our emotional brain that controls all instinctual and impulsive behavior, is activated. It causes stress chemicals to be released, which raise blood pressure, oxygen intake, and heart rate. This gets the body ready to fight or flight, freeze or fawn. And these four self-defense responses are easy to identify and manifest later in life. For instance, if four people encounter a thief on the street, we will see how each person reacts differently, depending on their personality and prior experiences. While person A is very aggressive and strive first, person B is panicking and running away. Person C is frozen to death, and person D is quite calm and flattering. What do these four people have in common? The difference is that they react to situation differently. But the common point is that they do it to protect themselves. What about you? In the face of danger, what do you do? People who have been through a traumatic event very often try to hide or suppress how they feel in order to cope or protect themselves. They may become stuck in a state of hypervigilance, which is a state of being very alert. The nervous systems in their body are still reacting to things that could hurt them even though there aren't any. For example, the victims of the robbery mentioned above were mentally traumatized as a result of the incident. And every time they witness someone upset or lousy, it triggers their memories and they would overreact even if it was just a friend or family member yelling at them. 
they believe they are protecting themselves, but in the long run, their actions will impact the quality of their current lives and make it harder for them to let go of the past and grow. In other words, they think and act as if they were living in the past, and it's a real problem because it means they miss out on living in the moment. Their limiting thoughts and beliefs become a part of them, and over time, they will show up in every facet of their lives, such as their relationships, works, finances, physical, and mental health, without them even realizing it. They will collapse into a state of confusions or even rage because they are unable to function. This is where healing comes in. We seek healing in order to detect ourselves from the past, to free ourselves from limiting beliefs and illusions, to improve our relationships with others, and to prevent potential illness. Because illness is just the physical manifestations of spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical disease. We can change what happened in the past, but we can change. The imprints is left on us. In other words, how we interpret what happened and the story we tell ourselves about it. The question is how to heal. We can start healing from outside or inside. With the help of trained professionals in a safe setting, you may share your stories without being judged. They then provide you with insights. And the tools you need to navigate your emotions. This can help you acknowledge, comprehend, and make sense of what happened to you. What is stopping you from moving forward? What is keeping you from opening your heart? What is going on that makes your chest feel crushed at night? What is making you always be on guard for danger or rejection? The shame, the nightmare, and the self-sabotage. What makes you who you are today? Trauma stole your life. It is also took away your ability to control how you feel and act. But after having the aha moment, where you understand why things are the way they are, you can finally say to yourself, "What happened to me was not fair." But I am the only one who can fix the wounds I carry inside of me. The moment of self-compassion and realizing that your overreactions are understandable is an important part of beginning to heal. You have the power to make sense of what happened, to transcend what happened, and to find meaning and purpose in it. You are more resilient than you think. And you can overcome almost anything. Just remember that you don't have to do it all alone. But if you are self-regulated and have the knowing that changing the present is the best way to change the past will help you heal, then all you need to do is to actively create new experiences for yourself. Some people spend their time to learn new things, skills, or hobbies. Some people find meaning in volunteering, while others join a support group and practice gratitude together. Some people get in touch with people they care about. 
Some people find that doing yoga, meditating, practicing mindfulness, being autistic, and listening to music are great ways to observe their thoughts and body sensations. The goal is to pay attention to how your body feels and to disrupt your thought patterns from going back to the old ones. Not easy, but that's how our brains work. Our thoughts control how we feel. Our feelings control what we do, and what we do creates different outcomes and experiences. To change our experiences, we have to change how we think. Things happens because life happens, but not because you deserve it or because you did something wrong. Whatever happened could have been a sign that it's time for you to look inside yourself. Or there are things that need to change, and you are the only one who can make those changes. That sounds unfair, because no one wants to be sick or hurt. But life is unfair in some ways. But if you understand that the best way to change and overcome the past is to change and embrace the present, and that you always have the tools you need to recover, to feel and act differently. You can finally regain your power and live your life to the fullest. Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh once said, "In each of us, there is a young suffering child. We have all had times of difficulty as children, and many of us have experienced trauma." When I think about what he said, I think that no child is ever born with a belief that they are not loved, not good enough. Are not deserving of happiness. Until one day, their minds are full of experiences they learn from their caregivers and things that happens in the outside world. Then they use what they learn to predict and adjust how they act. When those experiences have become negative over and over again, they form an imprint, and the child develops something called learned helplessness. The belief that one cannot get out. Of a situation perceived as hopeless, but as we grow up, we are no longer dependent on anyone. We have the right to decide for ourselves what we want to do, what we want to believe in, and how we want to feel. We don't give in to fate; we seal it with the choices we make. And a happy life does not mean happy all the time. There will be good times and bad times, light and dark. We need to learn how to get back up after a hard time and get stronger as a result. And for that to happen, we need to have a healthy body, mind, spirit. Because healing begins with a connection to oneself. Once we healed, our bodies, minds, and spirits are all in sync. We can accept and even embrace all the painful experiences. We start to understand what it means and build up the resilience we need to deal with problems we didn't see coming. This reminds me of freestyle surfers. They practice surfing so that whenever there is a giant wave coming, they are ready to jump in and surf it. The bigger the wave, the more excited they feel. A warrior spirit that I greatly admire. I hope you can find a durable support. To go with you 
on whatever paths you choose to take. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, take care.